0: We are back, baby. We are back. That's we are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode one twenty-seven of the pod. It's the State of the City podcast. Matt. Is this the most uh, long, angry, like, tone
1: podcast I think we're going to have? Because I think no, it's going to be some no, no. emotion.
0: No, I, I just want to um, more use this as a checkpoint. Oh, okay. a, a marker in the road for the city of Chicago where we're at on October 30th of 2019, Year of Our Lord. Um, there's there's just a lot of bad going on in the city of Chicago when it comes to sports. We've been in this place before. We will be in this, this place this, again. This seems like a dark one. It is, it is just a matter of breaking up these points of sheer heartbreak with points of uh, greatness and gratitude. And there are some I, things... Uh, sporting-wise, to be grateful for uh, Kobe White, let's say. There's one.
1: Oh, yeah, but it would have been nice if he played in the second half against the Knicks the other night. <laughs>
0: would, have been, say, I, would have been nice gotta, if
1: Ryan Archie Diacono and Chris Dunn didn't have more minutes than he did. But. we got to oh, ease them no, we'll them get in. Get there. Sorry,
0: we'll get there. we got we'll to ease him in. Yeah, we're, so we're what in the we're going to do the the today on the pod to refrain from lamenting over our Bears season being over. We'll get there, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll don't touch worry. upon it. Just like
1: last week, they don't deserve to be talked about first.
0: We're going to go to the rest of the city. We're just going to give a couple words – on the state of each franchise because there has been some news with a number of them over yeah. the last uh, big few city. days and weeks here. So, Chicago um, Fire, Chicago Red Stars. Chicago Fire moving into Soldier Field. Sure. Big if true. Yeah.
1: Um, That's going to be huge for them. But, uh, so fire's done. We did fire. <laughs> check there it is. Off. State of the Fire, uh, new stadium.
0: We'll hit, a little, we'll hit a little State of Chicago, whip around the NFL. We'll give you some locks because don't look now, but the kid is hot. Three straight, two straight, something like that. I don't something know. Something like that. You're, um, think yeah, the, yeah, you're getting there. We got some NCAA news. We'll get into the mailbag, a little bit of buy or sell, and then we'll talk MLB Game 7 World Series. Um, going to be going to be a fun pod, Matt. Let's let's dive right in. What do you say?
1: Fun is going to be an interesting word, but I'm with you. Let's dive in. Where you, which team in the city would you like to start? We're going to wrap let's up start, with the
0: Bears. Where do you want to start with? Let's start on the north side because there was okay, some, was there was some the news of news. note coming out of the north side in the last week. David Ross to be named the – uh, manager of the Chicago Cubs moving forward, a man who was in that uh, clubhouse two years ago as a player. Matt, what are your – I think you know how I feel about this, but what are your initial feelings? I'm of the cap camp where if Girardi was a possibility and you ended up going with David Ross, you just made the wrong decision for your franchise. I think
1: I, I would have been – Joe Girardi was the guy I at least wanted to go there because as a White Sox fan – I. I don't want them to get the hires as right as possible because I'd rather them not win another World Series. And I think he was mm-hmm. the best manager on the market. I mean, that said, the the last few years you've seen Davey Martinez, first time manager, who's uh, Alex Cora in Boston. I think it was it was a first time, you know, it was a first time manager. Not even sure that was his first time in a dugout too or not. But he won a World Series. Like you, you can have success. Uh, AJ mm-hmm. Hinch in Houston. But Joe Girardi seemed to be the established guy who might be able to still control that dugout and obviously brought a different mentality than Joe Madden. That said, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm growing to the David Ross hire a little bit more. Uh, I I don't, I, he was not my first choice as Cubs manager. He's probably my third of the options that were presented, but I, I don't think it's, the, you know, we're going back to 2016 argument mm-hmm. is as bad of, I I, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of over that because I do think he was such a fixture in that clubhouse. And from what all the people on the team, on the beat, you know, close to the team have said, he had, while he did have the, you know, nice guy, image in the media. He was a guy who was not never afraid to go after people in the dugout when they needed it. He went after Rizzo for not running pop-outs before. I, I'm not sure that's going to be as big of an issue as we say, but I I think you can have both, he wasn't the best hire, but I also am not sure he's going to be a bad hire either. I still think he's going to be a pretty good Major League manager. Does
0: that make sense? Yeah. I, yes, uh, and you make some good points, but I'm just worried about the dynamic. What happens when they're on their typical seven game losing streak in July. And no one wants to hear from the guy who used to catch Yeah. for like, no, no one wants to hear from the guy who it just, it makes for a situation where a coach is in the position to be belittled by a player who not too long ago saw himself as an equal. Yeah. Now maybe that's the, maybe that's the air that they're trying to foster in that clubhouse that, Hey, coaches, managers, players, guy who cleans up the locker room, all same playing field. But It's an interesting line to toe, and I think that it is a conversation that will come up throughout the season when things are not going well. When things are going well, it's going to be all hunky-dory. David Ross is going to be the answer. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to be smiling ear to ear, and it's going to be a beautiful summer in Chicago. But in those stretches when things are not going well... I'll be interested to see how the dynamic is amongst a guy who might be trying to just find his footing in a, in a clubhouse again. Yes, he was a leader there, but the way you look at a leading leader, leading and the way you look at him different. And the way you respect yeah. the manager um, should be different still in my eyes. Matt, I'm going um, to, you know, we're going to keep these things tight, but I'm going to pose a question to you. Sure, here. I love questions. More wins next season. The Ooh. Chicago Cubs the Los Angeles Angels of
1: Anaheim? Uh, the Chicago, Chicago Cubs. You know who their manager I mean, is. Grant, Joseph Madden, <laughs> who I think is I think he's per, a perfect hire out there, and hopefully he finally gets you know Mike Trout out to some mm-hmm. October baseball eventually, which I think he will in that tenure there. But it's still too early for me to see what, with what the Angels do in the offseason. If, if Otani is healthy, if Trout's healthy, if that lineup is healthy, they have a really good lineup, but they need to spend money on pitching. Now, If you tell me they went out and, and they go get Garrett Cole – and they add maybe another rotation arm and, and get a little bit of help to that bullpen. I think that's a really good baseball team. Granted, in a very tough division, but a really good baseball team that can absolutely compete for a wild card and win a lot of baseball games. But I still think with where the Cubs are going to be, and I, I, it's hard for me to pick against them yet. Still with that clubhouse, but it, it's still kind of a TBD because the rosters twenty the twenty twenty rosters are still. So you know, unknown and incomplete. But as it stands right now, the Cubs are still a better baseball team. Granted, Joe Maddon's the better manager at this point.
0: I'd agree with you. Um, I do think that uh, the manager situation in both of those clubhouses maximizes for the Angels. And uh, I'm not going crazy, but I think you might be minimizing in the club's clubhouse. I think and I'm cl- saying that. I'm saying that in the sense of it is a force working. It is a force that can work against them. I don't think in any situation Joe Madden, other than maybe some questionable decisions, can work against the Los Angeles no, Angels.
1: I, I think early on the Cubs are going to get off to a nice start because, like you said, I do think it's going to be all you know reunion time and everybody's going to be feeling uh-huh. good early. But it's going to be interesting when they hit that first slide to kind of see how everybody reacts. And you know, essentially, nobody wants to admit that it's having your buddy in the clubhouse as your manager, but. Even when you're Anthony Rizzo and you say how much you respect the guy you know you're you're superior and all that stuff. If you've been in the locker room with the guy as your teammate, it's a little bit different looking at him as your manager and ever, you know, growing and having that manager respect and never you know not seeing him as that teammate. will be. So, it'll be interesting
0: to see. So before we move on here to the other club, give him give him a state of the franchise grade, Matt. What's your grade on the Chicago Cubs right now? Man,
1: it's I mean, you've it's going a B, it's be
0: minus for me right now. Still. I mean, you can't you can't rely on past successes, but they're still one of the more talented rosters on the field. As long as Hobby Baez is out there, as long as Anthony Rizzo is out there, as long as your pitching staff has some pieces, I I, I don't slide them to the C's yet.
1: I, I see. I almost want to say incomplete because I don't know how it's going to look after this off season. Because right think, now, though, at the end of last season, I'd have it as at a C plus because I think with that roster, with that group, with that manager, making the playoffs isn't is unacceptable. I mean, they still won a good amount of baseball games and all that. I I just, in that division, I mean, the Cardinals were not that great of a baseball team. I know they won a round Mm -hmm. against the, you know, a Braves team that's young and doesn't know how to win yet. And then they got their, you know, butt's kicked by the nationals and the brewers lost to the nationals and all that stuff that that was a very winnable division and a winnable wild card and they just kind of choked down the stretch i'm not i can't give them higher than a c plus i think at the moment but going forward it's still kind of incomplete because i think they have some huge decisions to make this offseason your theo epstein hasn't made a lot of great personnel decisions when it's come to you know adding to the major league roster and they really didn't they they said they were going to overhaul they really didn't overhaul other than just kind of reshuffling some names around the The, the front office with some new titles. So I, I don't know until I see what they do this offseason and who's in that clubhouse
0: come, you know, spring training. It's not what a parent wants to hear, a parent-teacher conference. Give no. the kid a grade, Matt. I said C+. plus. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the Chicago White Sox, I guess the quietest of franchises right now, but possibly uh, for the best.
1: Calm um, before the storm, maybe, something like that.
0: S- something like Hope. that. Uh Uh, Yeah, there's always hope um, when you have the American League batting leader, uh, when you have the leader in runs batted in. We've talked about it before on the podcast. How do you get those things to equate to wins? Um, I think that's still the biggest question mark for the White Sox.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, you get those things to equate to wins by surrounding them with major league talent. You know, last year, the talent, or the, the positions that they didn't have, you know, their prospects, their guys coming up at, they plugged with you know minor league career minor leaguers or you know career mm-hmm. you know twenty sixth men on rosters twenty fifth men on rosters, and you, you maximize that talent. And you turn those into wins by going out and filling those holes with major league baseball players. So now they're going to have a chance to to go out and pay a JD Martinez who multiple people are saying you know the sock the White Sox are. You know, the logical destinations appear to be the front runner, at least in this time. And we've heard that before with big names. So we'll kind of wait and see. Granted, this won't be a $300 million contract. But mm-hmm. you have a, a Yasmani Grandal who's going to be hitting, you know, free agency who could give you a real boost behind the plate. No offense to Zach Collins. I'm just not sure he's ready to be a full time starter yet. And James McCann kind of was who he was a little bit more down the stretch. Uh, you have a Zach Wheeler out there. If they don't want to give the <laughs> whole seven years 220000000 million, mm-hmm. I'm actually okay with that if they pay him that's fine too but if they that that's a lot of money for a starting pitcher um especially a guy who's going to be 30 uh if they don't want to commit that i i'm I'm actually okay with that but if you want to go out and pay a guy like zach wheeler to add to some pitching rotation depth um to not have all this pressure on young guys i I think they have a chance to do that and the the opportunities are going to be there in front of them they're just going to have to spend the money
0: um that's usually how you turn
1: those into wins by spending that
0: money if you're the guy spending the money, um, let's say – because J.D. Martinez, I believe, still does have to opt out of a contract. Which, yeah, play he it very,
1: very likely will. But, yes, he, he has gotcha. to officially.
0: Let's say J.D. opts out and Garrett Cole also comes to market, which he will. Mm-hmm. Well, where where are you allocating the dollars if if you're not afraid of that that big price on Garrett Cole? Where are you, where are you filling need first? I
1: still I, – I know the, the pitching – depth wasn't there at all times last year but I still think the top end type talent kind of is and I think there's such a glaring need for professional hitters in that lineup I mean Mm -hmm. I I know Abreu was really good towards the end of the year I know Moncada and Anderson obviously finished at the top of the batting title but if you get that you know no matter what you think of JD Martinez what he does in the outfield what he does he probably DH a lot of the time. It's going to give you 30 and 90, 30 and 100. Having that in this lineup with that pitching staff, with that young potential, I, I think there's. it's better to spend on a J.D. Martinez and a Zach Wheeler than to spend equivalent money on just Garrett Cole, if that makes yeah. sense. And again, and again, if they decide they want to go get, go get Garrett Cole and Garrett Cole's opening the opening day starter on the south side next year, I, I might be there in a Garrett Cole jersey. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, I don't want that. But if, yeah. if they want to go the other way, I would not be opposed to that at all. I also think they're going to explore some some trade markets, some trade pieces, because you're going to have guys, it, Boston's going to be looking to move some people. Um, and it, it'll also be interesting to me, after this World Series, after this playoffs, what Steven Strasburg decides to do with his contract, because I think he's due 25 next year, but he can opt out. And if he opts out now, I mean, with how he's looked in the World Series and down the stretch, he might be getting Garrett Cole money.
0: Yeah, it might be uh might be the hottest market for Strasburg right now. It might not yeah. be a bad idea. So Matt, give them a grade. Give your Southside uh, Sox a grade here.
1: Uh, I'm I'm gonna give them the same grade I just you just gave the Cubs. I'm gonna give them a B minus. Uh, with okay. it, and they they got a chance to the the off season will change the grade one way or another. Um, if they spend, that's gonna move up to probably about a B plus. If they stand pat yeah. or just spend on you know what they did last year about on, you know, 25th men on rosters, career backups coming in to fill starting roles, it'll drop to a C minus. Uh,
0: I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give them a flat C right now. Just looking at it. I'm waiting for one of these moves, one of these hats to drop to indicate to me that now They're is the time that we are making a move to be a contender in the division and once again, return to playoff baseball. That's when you bump from a C for me.
1: That's fair. I respect that. And I, like we said, I think we're both in agreement. We'll, we'll see what kind of money they spend. And that is essentially how you turn these, you know, good feeling prospects, good, you know, moment prospects into actual wins on the field. And by all indications in the clubhouse, they're ready to do that. It's just whether or not the front office is going to, you know, follow suit and support them.
0: Uh, let's head from 35th in Shields to the Madhouse on Madison for oh, our first God. state of the franchise. Let's stick to the hardwood first. Let's talk Chicago Bulls. Let's talk Matt, Chicago Bulls. couple games into the season here. Zach Levine came out and said the other night, I feel like we should be 3-1 and one and not 1-3. Um, I think that feeling is shared a bit with how competitive they've been in some of these ball games, but the decision-making isn't there. Uh, we are talking about a coach who was just signed to a – Four or five-year contract. He
1: was, I don't remember the extension, but he signed an extension. Yeah.
0: Signed an extension it doesn't doesn't, doesn't appear to know what he's doing. Um, as you alluded to, uh, having White on the bench for the majority of the second half, um, they they fall asleep during the Knicks. There's been a lot of good, and then there's been moments like that against the Knicks where they close out the game on an zero fifteen run and they lose. <laughs> uh, they look like they look like they're taking two steps forward and three steps backward as a team from a night to night basis, I guess.
1: I don't know really who to point the finger at here. I mean, part of playing Ryan Archie Diacono and Chris Dunn more minutes than Kobe White is inexcusable. That's, that's wrong. That's a mistake. I don't care where those two are there. I mean, with, with how I watched that entire Knicks game because I was working it, I was logging it, so I had to be paying attention very closely. The amount of times Chris Dunn just decided to drive the lane and throw up some off balance, you know, layup on his own deserved to get him benched, yet he still played 18 minutes on the night. Kobe White played 16. Uh, but yeah. so, so that's inexcusable to me. But coming down to it, down the stretch, like you said, they the Knicks closed the game out on a 15 0 run. Uh, within the last 336, it was 92-90, to 90, and then Markin and Levine hit back-to-back threes, and from there on out, the Bulls didn't run any sets. The Bulls, uh, on offense, they didn't really move the ball. They just kind of passed it around the key, and then somebody decided they wanted to drive with with no time left on the shot clock. They stopped trusting their system, so I think that comes down to more... I don't know if that comes down to not trusting Boylan or them just not knowing how to close out games and and do what they do well and do what they do early on late Mm -hmm. games because what they're doing on early, they're running their offense, they're moving the ball really, really well, they're getting open shots and they were hitting them and they were up double digits the majority of that basketball game.
0: Yeah, they look to be more offensive flow than I've seen in years past and what I've watched of this team. um, It looks like they're enjoying playing with each other, but it takes a lot in, you know, you call them championship moments, but just in winning moments to be able to rely on your guys that are there when you're still getting things to gel. So I, I don't know if I point a finger. Um, if you're going to, for me, I pointed at Ed Boylan.
1: If you if you say that, I, I can't really 100% be, disagree with you. I, I think there's some wrong decisions he's making. I I don't – this might sound harsh, but after what I saw from the last game and what I've seen so far this year – I'm more and more buying into the theory that Zach Levine and Lowry Marketing just can't really play well together. Yeah, they, 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 their styles don't clash, and you know Zach needs to have the ball, and when Zach has the ball, Lowry doesn't because you know Zach's going to want to drive and kick out, and that just turns Lowry into pretty much a spot up shooter, which he's not at his best when he's doing that. He's shooting terribly. His best game this year is when you know Charlotte, when Zach was off, he didn't play as much, and Lowry was kind of allowed to do a little bit of everything. He was allowed to get you know get into the paint pop back out for some jumpers, hit those two. He had 37 and 15. When Zach's playing his best, Lowry seems to be at his worst. So I, honestly, I, I'd be trying to trade one of them for other pieces to find other – You know, one, I, I think you want to keep marketing over Levine, I would think, just because of the injury history and you know that, that stretch four is such a big piece in the NBA now. But yeah. I'd be trying to find pieces that work well together because I, I don't think both of those guys are closers and I don't think both of those guys are playing well together. The ball, kinda, the ball
0: just kind of the ball just kind of stops offensively when it gets to Levine and it does. In Everyone today's stops. in today's NBA, it's about spacing. It's about run and gun. I mean, you could play half court sets, but in the half court, fifty percent of the time, these teams are running and pick and roll. If these two guys can't learn how to run an effective screen and roll I, together, I don't know how they have going it. out like, there. It's it's mind boggling. Like, it, like looking at those two guys, it looks like the perfect They're setup ma- they to are- run. They, how you draw
1: up if you were in NBA 2K creating you know creating players around a pick and roll, you'd have a 6'5 guard who's dominant on the ball, and you'd have a seven footer who can step back and knock down jumpers. And then yeah, don't do and
0: it. when you have a when you have a guy like Laurie who can set that screen and then step one of seven different directions out of the screen yeah. rather than just to the basket, how some bigs are that makes it really dangerous. So the fact that they're not doing that, and the fact that the ball continues to stop when it hits Levine hands, Levine's hands doesn't have me at a point where. I want to see him out of town for pieces, but it has me at a no, point I'm of No, I'm not saying pieces. I'm more
1: saying, like, get him out of th- – Like, yeah. try and see if you can do a play – like, somebody who needs a volume score like that for maybe a guy who's a little bit more of a facilitator. Something you, you know what I mean? Not some guy who has to be as ball dominant. This is my ball on the score, if that makes it sense.
0: It doesn't have me at the deal table yet like it does for you because this is the most exciting product that the Bulls have put out on the court in the last few years. That's not saying much. That bar has been very low, but – I'm not ready to quit on this group yet, I guess.
1: I, I, I will say, as deflating as the end of that Knicks game is, I think you learned a couple things. I think you learned that Thaddeus Young is going to be a very nice signing for them. He, he's a great piece off the bench. He's a, nice, he's, a, he's a veteran leader who just kind of knows how to play basketball, who can do a little bit of everything. And if he's starting for you, I think that's not great. But if he's your sixth man off the bench, I, I think you're in pretty good shape. And the last two seventh overall picks for the Bulls, provided they can stay healthy, Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White are going to be guys who are selling, you know, Bulls jerseys for yeah. a long time. Here, they're two very, very good players. I watched Kobe. I was I'm a North Carolina fan. I watched Kobe White a ton last year. I did not know that his game was going to translate this quickly in the mm-hmm. NBA, but he, he's developed a step back jumper. He, he always kind of had it, but he's really, I don't want to say perfected it, but but improved on it this and year. Really in good, yeah. He looks a lot better. Wendell Carter Jr. man, when he's healthy, he is a force down low. He is his tough grabbing rebounds and fighting for rebounds as just about anybody is there. as there is in the league at 20 and 10 against the Knicks, against the team that say what you want about them. They have a lot of big bodies down low. They loaded up on power forwards and you know how to rebound the basketball. And he, he looked like he belonged and played really, really well. So those are, I think, are your encouraging signs. They've had three seventh overall picks the last three years and appear to have made three very, very good, very, very good picks on those.
0: Uh, absolutely. But uh, things do get a bit tougher here. They're losing games to the likes of Charlotte and New York. Um, When we get into November here, we're looking at a stretch against the Lakers, the Hawks, the Houston Rockets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, a pretty solid Detroit team, Miami, like November – November this, could get ugly or it could tell us a lot about yeah, the direction of the basketball. Game. I
1: agree. I think if they wanted to make the playoffs, honestly, they kind of had to start out three and one, you know, four and one tonight. They played Cleveland. They had to get, you know, one of two against Detroit and Indiana. Kind of, they had to get off, you know, a six and two type start kind of going into that Lakers game because it is just, it really doesn't get much easier after that, that this was their, their easy stretch to start the year. And now it's kind of like you said, November's gonna be a really tough month for them. Hopefully we learn things about them for the positive, but um, you know, I, I guess we'll see.
0: So Matt slap them with a the grade, give the bulls a grade here. Uh,
1: I'm going to go a, uh, I'm, I'm just going to give a straight up C. I think they've drafted okay. well. I'm not sure they have, uh, invested in the right piece in Zach Levine, but I guess uh, we'll, we'll find out.
0: Yeah. I was thinking C, C plus as well, just for the success, success that you alluded to in the draft these last few years. That's Having what kept it. Like that that can at least excite you about the future, um, keep them in the, in the C, C, plus range for me.
1: Say what you want about Gar and Pax, and I don't think they've done a good job, but they have done a decent job over the last few years finding guys not necessarily at the top of the lottery to come in and be you know decent. And be, with the exception of Denzel Valentine, Doug McDermott, they've found some guys who have you know, come in and found their ways to be impact players on NBA teams.
0: We pull up the hardwood and we get to the Got ice it. mat. Uh, Your Blackhawks. It was Once bad. Once again, struggling, reeling. Uh, you have a guy in uh, Brent Seabrook who appears to want to be out on the ice. Uh, was a healthy scratch the other night. Alluded to, you know, playing for someone else, somewhere else. Um, it just it, it appears to be uh, the kindling of a dumpster fire right now. Is, you know, is that fair? it's
1: it's honestly starting to look that way, and it seems like a locker room mm-hmm. that. I'm not sure if they really have belief in in either the roster or the you know, coach behind the bench. there's something in that organization that the the leadership in the locker room isn't buying into, and you can tell the way they look on the ice last night. Uh they were absolutely they, they lost three to nothing in Nashville. It should have been about ten to nothing, but Robin Leonard, who has kind of taken over the number one goalie spot from Corey Crawford, he's been fantastic um what stood on his head he had three he allowed three goals last night and his save percentage on the year went up like five points (laughs) which is ridiculous um he was absolutely but it's it's a team that they're the way the defensive core has been assembled is Mm -hmm. third consecutive year they're just kind of trying to go with the same few pieces that clearly don't work And they're then surprised when it doesn't work. I mean, the the two or three games they've had, the six that, you know, all healthy this year, they've looked pretty good. But the second one of those guys isn't in the lineup and they have to go to, you know, their depth, there's just nothing there. Uh, Brent Seabrook shouldn't really be a a number, a top six defenseman in the NHL or anything more than a number six, but on this team he is. And the fact that, you know, Slater Cuckoo and Dennis Gilbert, two names you've probably never heard are playing over him. Um. I I don't really understand what message is trying to be sent and clearly the locker room doesn't really buy into that message either by the way they've played since he's been gone. Um, it's, it's very frustr. It's a frustrating time to be a Blackhawks fan because there's no way that a team with Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves on it, Alex to the way he's been should be missing the playoffs three consecutive years in a row, but with the way they've started with the way they've looked, um, Really mentally, because physically there have been times, there have been a couple of games against Stanley Cup contenders where they look great, but mm-hmm. they're not buying in. And when the, the fact that this group, that core, is going to miss the playoffs three consecutive years in a row, there needs to be a, some sort of change. I don't know if that's from the very top. I don't know if that's behind the bench. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not my job to know. But there needs to be something done, something changed.
0: Matt, I am going to give you twice the voting power here. Uh, it's, a give us, it's a the, D. The, the
1: Hawks, I would say, it's a D.
0: Then it's a D the, from me. The
1: D, is uh, the I think the only thing keeping it from being a failure right now is mm-hmm. probably the the Robin Leonard edition because I think at, it's both he's on a one year deal. Corey Crawford's got one year left on, the, on his deal after this year. I think it's going to be they're going to you know let Crawford walk. I think he might just retire because, you know, he's got the concussion issues, he's got the, the personal issues, he's made a lot of money, he's won cups, he's 35. Uh, I, I think they're going to, provided they bring in Robin Leonard long-term, which I think there's a under-the-table type agreement that they, they didn't want to sign him long-term on Crawford's last season, that's fine. And Alex Dabrinka's contract is fantastic. Um, he, he got a 40-goal score, getting paid, you know, just over $6 million a year, that's a, a nice deal. But other than those two deals, it would be an F. But it's a D because of those two guys, I think, the, the way those contracts were handed out.
0: Uh, we're going to move to the gridiron now, Matt, but not to our Chicago Bears. Uh, no. I know this is not technically a Chicago sport, but uh, we regarded... It in There's, a lot, regard, as There's we a lot know, of our here. There's a lot of us fans A good amount of our listeners do. You either love them or you hate them. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish just laying down against Michigan on Saturday in the rain at the Big House. Um, I forget the final, forty. 40- He's 40, 40
1: some. 45-7, something, 45-14. 45, 14, 45, so 45 10, 7. something like
0: that. Um, yeah. It was bad. It, it was
1: very bad. bad. Uh, I, it's, yeah, I, I don't really even know where to start with this one. I, I, I didn't think they were going to win that game, honestly. Uh, I mean, he asked me beforehand, obviously, I'm going to pick Notre Dame because I'll never pick Michigan to beat Notre Dame. That's just who I am. Uh, I, and by gut, I didn't think they were going to win that game, but I also mm-hmm. I didn't expect – at the first sign of adversity, them to just kind of roll over. And that's exactly what happened. The the offense, I think they got the ball. The offense went three and out. And then the defense had, you know, it was a good punt. Defense had a really nice stand. I think forced Michigan to go three and out. Mental mistake trying to field the tip punt. And then Michigan recovered. And quite honestly, after that, the game was over. And and quite again, in a tough road situation, the offensive game plan was absolutely head-scratching. And I don't know... Who to blame for that? Obviously, Brian Kelly's an offensive head coach, but he he has a say in the game plans on both sides of the ball. But I I don't know if that's Chip Wong's doing, who I'm starting to be a little bit more out on him, uh, or if that's more Brian Kelly getting in his ear and trying to be a little bit too conservative. But the, the lack of now two big games on the road, the lack of just when you're struggling, when your team can't get a rhythm going, just trying to go find your best player on the field and chase Claypool is mind-boggling to me. They just didn't do it. Their play calling got very predictable. It was run the ball, run the ball, short pass, punt. It was mind-boggling to me. And it was just – it was same old Notre Dame in a big spot on the road in adversity. And it's tough.
0: Yeah, I think it was – to me, it didn't feel like same old Notre Dame in a big spot where they – fall to the wayside because of the weather. To me, the weather revealed a lot about that team and their mental toughness or lack thereof. But
1: see, for me, that is same old Notre Dame. Okay. The the, conditions. For one reason or another. There was some adversity. Weather hit them. They they had a bad bounce go their way, and Michigan went down the field and ran it, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this one's over.
0: Well, I think, yeah, I think we're agreeing then on the fact that, you know, another adverse situation revealed the mental weakness of this football team, and that's kind of been – um, that's been the the going narrative around them throughout the entire Brian Kelly uh, tenure. I mean, there's been some really high points and some great moments and uh, they've never recruited better than they currently are, but it, it's not that, bearing the fruit of a championship football team.
1: That recruiting is why I'm not yet ready to, and you know, I've been on the, the, let's get rid of Brian Kelly bandwagon before. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not quite there yet because in the last year, I think we've talked about it on here, but, their recruiting, even though it's been you know better in the last few years. Appears to be taking an even you know further step up. Like yeah. they're they're getting five stars now. They're I think in the twenty twenty one class they have they're in line to pick up like eleven of the top one hundred. Um, so that's why I'm not quite ready to pull the plug on Brian Kelly because that recruiting is so important and those great coaches know how to surround themselves with great coordinators, which I think he's done at least defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's this year, I I never really expected them to be a national championship team. I've been, since we did our preview show, I've been pretty low on them from the start. I just didn't expect, I expect if you're going to lose on the road to Michigan, even if you lose by a couple touchdowns, you're going to go down just because they were better than you. You went down fighting. They just rolled over and that that was upsetting. And um, Ian Book, by the way, we've talked about it, but we talked about it. It's not great, Bob. This is, I I really don't want to kick a kid while he's down because I'm sure he listens to the podcast. (laughs) Um, there is no reason for Ian book to start another game for me this year. And it's not, I I know it's a senior captain and I know you don't want to, you know, embarrass the kid, whatever. Granted you you pulled Brandon Wimbush last year, Ian book. If this team is going to win a national championship next year and be in line to be, I know Ian book has eligibility. It's not going to be with Ian book under center. We've seen his ceiling. His ceiling is game manager who can beat bad teams, who can beat okay teams at home can be good teams at home is just panicky on the road and doesn't see defense as well. Uh, and you have to at least at some point find out what you have in your, his four-star backup and Phil Yerkovic. Brian Kelly's, I think, said in the media was asked about I said, you know, the one knock on Phil is we, we, we don't know his in-game experience yet. We, we don't know what he looks like in-game. Well, th- there's a way to find that out. And I know, I know in every locker room with a group of seniors, you don't want to punt on a season and you don't, but, Ten and two with this season, with with these two losses to me, with this one loss to me to Michigan, is a failure. Uh, a ten and ten and two in a new Year's six bowl win against Boise State. I don't, I don't think that's a good season because of this so you, loss to Michigan. I think a good. I would rather see what I have in my young guy, and I know it sucks to do to seniors, but that's when your goal, ultimate goal, is failed. You have to do its best for the future of the program, in my opinion. And Ian Book is not the future of the program. Phil Yerkovic might not be, but he might be.
0: So you give the season an F, but what do you give the state of the franchise or um, the program?
1: I'm, it's hard for me to not still have it around a B just because it, as bad as that loss was, as bad as this season is looking, I mean, since the birth of the college football playoff, Notre Dame's been a contender for it just about every year. And was, yep. I mean, this year they weren't necessarily a contender in it once the rankings come out, but they were hovering around there up until this week. They're... Still going to be probably a nine-win football team, ten-win football team. So it's hard to, you know, as a program with what they've done over the last years, with where they were before Brian Kelly, it's not. It's hard not to have them around to be because there are a lot of programs below Notre Dame looking up and saying, "Okay, I would kill to give that, you know, to be there."
0: I agree. It's a B minus for me. Um, the only difference is now expectation is raised, and they've yet to meet those higher expectations. Exactly. Um, if that continues to happen, we slide them to a C. But uh, I I do think this is uh, as we stated before, with recruiting taken into account, this is still the best spot that Notre Dame football has been in the better in my part lifetime, of honestly. Three I decades, think this four is the, decades. Yeah, yeah.
1: this is the best spot they've been to succeed. I think since I can remember watching Notre Dame football, and our
0: ability to say that after a Michigan loss shows growth, if nothing else, it does.
1: You know, you last year at this time, I would have been on here saying, you know, fire Brian Kelly. I didn't Quick. do that, so shout out me.
0: Well, that's the state of the franchises around Chicago. Uh, we hit the fire early. Um, we did not hit the sky. Um, that's still a thing, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, we, <laughs> we're going to jump into uh, NFL Whip around then. Uh, okay,
1: let's do it. Yeah, you got the schedule up?
0: Uh, I do. All right. Do we start
1: it off I, have played, I don't.
0: Now, see, I have this week's schedule up. Oh, that's, see, that's, an rookie, rookie mistake, yeah. that's an issue. Rookie mistake. That's an issue. 49ers at Cardinals. Joe, what you gotta, for that one? Got to go to the drop down. Got to go to the drop down. Excited for that one tonight. But we're going to take it back to last Thursday, the Redskins and the Vikings. The Vikes sneak out of there with a 19-9 to win. Kirk Cousins just good enough. Dalvin Cook still the story in Minnesota. It,
1: it, that's just the ultimate Thursday night. Games are weird for me, man. Like... The, you never The Vikings look like world beaters, and then they have the Redskins at home, and it's kind of a slow-paced game where they keep the Redskins in it. So, I, I don't know. Kirk Cousins look fine. Vikings still look pretty good.
0: Matt Schaub's Falcons fall just short of the Seahawks, 27-20. to 20, um, Really... The best performance you could ask for out of Matt Schaub, 39-52, 460 yards and a touchdown. But uh, the Seahawks, steady as she goes, dominate the second quarter to take this one.
1: Nice little backdoor cover there for the Falcons. Thankfully, I didn't have the Seahawks. Um, Yeah, the Falcons are just kind of dead in the water. And there's there's not much more than that. Russell Wilson looks good. Seahawks look like they're going to make that division a pretty fun race with the 49ers.
0: Eagles take to the ground game, 31-13. They uh, take care of the Buffalo Bills, a playoff hopeful Buffalo Bills, but do we believe in them, Buffalo Bills? Nonetheless, Carson Wentz turns around, hands it off to Jordan Howard. They win 31-13.
1: You know, it's a really interesting (laughs) strategy, Joe, when your offense is sputtering, um, especially through the air that you decide to commit to the run. But, you know, hats off to the Eagles. They went into this game, decided to commit to the run. They did commit to the run. Uh, and they ran for 218 yards, three touchdowns, 41 carries on the ground. That's a it's a wow. Who would have thought that trying to run the football
0: might work? Eagles also looking to yeah. add back Deshaun Jackson and Darren Sproles for this week's game <laughs> against the Bears. Giants and Lions. The Lions win 31-26. Uh, Matthew Stafford with three touchdown passes. Saquon Barkley just as spellbinding as always, but uh, the Lions take this one to get back to 500. Five hundred point five. I don't know how you'd call it three, three, and one.
1: They're five hundred. Yeah, we'll call it that. Um, the the Lions. I know I shouldn't like them because they're an NFC North team. But then again, this year the NFC North, I don't really care about anymore. Uh, I like watching them play. They're a fun team. Their not, passing they're, they're, attack
0: they're, is it's it's really it Really fun. is like Matt Stafford, care to the wind.
1: Matt Stafford's having as good of a year as he's had in a long time. Like he he's always put up pretty good numbers, but he's not turning the ball over much this year. The Lions are a fun football team to watch, and they're a team that I'm going to keep looking out for on Sundays.
0: Bengals and Rams? Nope, that's not right. Skip Bu- over a Buccaneers, couple Buccaneers, Titans. Buccaneers and go. Titans. Uh, the Titans beat the Bucks twenty-seven to twenty-three. Don't know what to make of either of these teams. The Buccaneers appear to be able to move the ball, especially when they target Mike Evans, but the wins are just not there. Ryan Tannehill having a bit of a resurgence for the Titans twenty-seven to twenty-three to final.
1: Did you see? Uh, they make my takeaway from this was the. Uh, I think it was the Titans fake field goal that the, the Bucks absolutely blew up the holder. And then it was a clear fumble return for a touchdown that they overturned. Mm -hmm. Or they didn't over well, they, they, they blew was, dead and then it, couldn't review. Sorry, I didn't have said over. The they, holder,
0: the holder was the punter, and he got clotheslined and looked like a rag down. So when, I think the optics there were bad.
1: When are they going to learn to just let the play run through and then we can and then it? figure it out after? It's yeah. real. It's the second time this year it happened in Saints Rams too. It's just it's wild to me. That, that's something the refs need to figure out.
0: Another outcome affected. you will touch on that later in our mailbag. Broncos and Colts. The Colts win this one 15-13. Really a an offensive stalemate in this one. Adam Vinatieri misses two kicks during the game, but you put him in a winning moment, and he, bar- he just buries a 51-yarder straight the down the pipe. The old man still the got Colts it. Win. He, uh, uh, Pat McAfee on his podcast has talked about when he used to hold for... Vinatieri you know they'd have a handshake they'd have a a thing that they'd go through before all kicks if it was a game winning kick Vinatieri wouldn't even look at him he goes into like a possessed mode and just drills it
1: I love that Um, the the Colts continue to be a team that are pretty tough to figure out Um, uh, did you see Joe Flacco's press conference afterwards
0: yeah, he, he I, just wants out, or he I, wants the playbook. <laughs> I
1: like, I like Vic Fangio. Don't get me wrong, but I, I totally agree with Flacco. Like, you, we're too we What are we five, playing like, for we here? Playing? Let's, let's throw the ball. Who cares? Like, so yeah. what? You, if we turn it over or we don't get it and lose, then we're in a better draft position. I know you want to win, but you're not getting fired after this year. Like, let's try and let win, Flacco, win some football games.
0: Let Flacco throw some sexy spirals. You want to win? Let Flacco deal. spin. Oh, I like that. Yeah, right. I like that. Put it on a shirt. Yeah put it on a shirt Bengals and rams rams win this one 24 to 10 uh they don't look to be back to their full rams powers but the addition of Jalen ramsey on the defensive side of the ball has bored fruit through the bore born, What's the born? past tense of bear born fruit born. Yeah. bear born, fruit. born would be the past tense born i think has born. born fruit yeah yeah, yeah the that. addition of Jalen ramsey has borne fruit Over the past two weeks, a huge performance by Cooper Cup, 220 yards, and got that mostly done in three quarters.
1: Uh, I mean, it was a get-right game for the Rams. (coughs) They desperately, desperately needed it headed into their bye. They're going to have kind of another one coming up against the Steelers, so uh, they have another game they kind of have to win, but it's tough to really gauge too much with a win over the 0-8 Bengals, a game which the Bengals actually didn't really look too terrible in. Uh, but I'm not sure we learned a ton about the Rams in this one just because of how bad the Bengals are.
0: Other than Saints, Cooper, and Cardinals. Really good. Saints and Cardinals, Drew Brees back in the fold, not missing a beat. 34 of 43, 373 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, just the Drew Brees that left with an injury is the Drew Brees that came back. Literally no rust. Found mm-hmm. his go-to guy 11 times, Michael Thomas for 112 yards and a touchdown. Latavius Murray filling the role of Alvin Kamara with no problem. 21 carries, 102 yards and a touchdown. I think this is the deepest team in the league and that's why the NFC should be scared regardless of records.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's the Saints conference to lose at this point and I know we'll, we'll get to Green Bay later who's a pretty good uh, but like, like you said, the Saints are the deepest team. They are might be the best organization right now in the, in the NFC. Uh, and on the other side I mean the Cardinals kept it interesting for a little while and I, they're a little bit better of a football team than we thought they'd be this year. But, yep. I mean, the story of this one is just Drew Brees coming back and after maybe a slow first quarter or so, absolutely lighting it on fire.
0: I'm not eating crow just yet on Kyler Murray, but he has impressed me. He has been better than I expected.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still his rookie year. He's still got a long way to go, and I yeah. think like you've seen defenses he's played well enough. how to adjust in, in second year, see how he adjusts back. But he, he's played well enough to... Another... he's
0: played well enough to earn a two-year leash from me I'll yeah. be excited to see what he does next year
1: absolutely I think him and Cliff Kingsbury have both uh, impressed more than people thought they might
0: and we will see what happens when they get a year of film on him Jets yes. and Jaguars the Jags win this one 29 to 15 over the one and six Jets uh, Sam Darnold went from seeing ghosts to seeing nothing uh, the offense scored in the first and the fourth nothing in the middle of the game Garner Minshew uh, whether fantasy or real life appears to be the answer in Jacksonville.
1: Um, Gardner Minshew is one of many examples of why you just draft a quarterback that you like in every draft.
0: It, yep. there's no
1: excuse not to. You might find if something. you don't like him, he's gone after next. You know, he's gone after one year. He's on your practice squad, whatever. You might find something. And, you know, it might seem bad and bleak in, in the Bears organization right now, guys, but you could be a New York Jets
0: fan. That's true. So that's true. That's think a good way to look at things. that way. Yeah. That's a good way to look at things. I like Panthers things and things 49ers, the, right the undefeated San Francisco 49ers moved to seven and zero with a 51 to 13 beating of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, everyone coming to this one said, this was the prove it game. No one believed in the six and zero Forty 49ers. Here's a test. Here's a good defense. What are you going to do? Well, they go out and run the ball all over the park. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, did just enough to not make mistakes, had two touchdown passes. Tevin Coleman scored three touchdowns on the, or excuse me, two on the ground, one through the air. Um, Between Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and a couple other backs that they have back there, it's the best rushing attack in the NFL.
1: Because it's a well-coached team and it's schemed really well. I mean, you can throw you or me back there and might be able to average three yards a carry with the holes the offensive line's bringing up and how well these plays are schemed out. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I think, is proving outside of, you know, Belichick and Peyton, uh, that he's right up there with the best coaches in, in the National
0: Football League. And then you add three Nick Bosa sacks and an interception to the equation, and you're having Nick shape. Bosa doesn't hurt. Bosa not only looking like the defensive rookie of the year, but now defensive firmly player in conversation the for defensive player of the year. The I believe the record for most sacks by a rookie player is 13 and a half. Bosa is currently on pace for 16, so we'll oh. see if he can keep that pace up. But having a fantastic rookie season, mm-hmm. the Browns and the Patriots. Patriots win this one, 27 to 13. Steady as she goes for the eight and O Pats. The Browns, on the other hand, looking to be the uh, the two and five. Uh, is their reality? Um, Tom Brady getting it done through the air on the ground just a very balanced attack out of the Patriots another team everyone should be afraid of but we already knew that
1: yes kind of both of these teams are who we thought they were headed into this one I don't think either of us thought this would be particularly close uh, the spread was 13 and a half, New England won by 14 uh, Cleveland's had a brutal start to the year obviously really tough schedule they have a chance to get it right and I think they will at least to make it interesting down the stretch but they're, they're not where they need to be, and the Patriots are very clearly the best team in the National Football League and, and the AFC by a long shot.
0: Raiders and Texans. Texans win this one 27-24 behind a valiant fourth-quarter effort by Deshaun Watson getting kicked in the face, still finding his receiver for the go-ahead touchdown. The Raiders, on the other hand, slide to 3-4. and four. Um, I think that they were outperforming their skill level and outperforming their... Uh, actually the injuries that they had sustained but uh i think it's starting to rear its ugly head the texans on the other hand do lose jj watt for the season with a torn pectoral muscle Uh, i think we also have to start looking at the long-term future of jj watt as an nfl player as his body continues to break down
1: yeah i mean it it just seems to be every other year it's blow after blow for jj watt and that's unfortunate because when healthy he is as good at that position obviously as anybody uh and i think on the other side you know, John Gruden gets a lot of crap and people give him a lot of, you know, make fun he's of him. He's getting the most
0: out of a bad team he like is. Now.
1: He People forgot because of how long he was out of football and, and how you know much of a personality and how funny he was in the booth and a caricature at times because of how he talked and looked. Guy's a damn good football coach. Guy, he he yeah. knows how to co- coach football. He knows how to get the best out of his players and he's doing that. Oakland is not the, the talent on that team is not three
0: and four. I'll tell you where the talent is. It's in number 28 in the backfield, Josh Jacobs, he's, who is we, I, I feel like we absolute say it every week. stud running the ball, and I will continue to say it because he's a monster.
1: We, we say it every week. The guy is, abs- is, is fantastic.
0: Offensive rookie of the year, possibly. Certainly Packers like and Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs just fall in this one 24-31. It was a fantastic watch, even if you're a Bears fan. I'm sorry. Um, Aaron Rodgers was back on his bullshit. Uh, flipping balls to the back of the end zone, not even looking, doing Aaron Rodgers things. Um, you put a different jersey on that guy, and uh, he's my favorite player in the world. But uh, that is not the case right now. Packers win 31-24, move to 7-1 and on the season. Talk about maximizing minimal talent around you, and that's exactly what the Packers are doing. I think uh, there was a video of Lafleur uh, in the fourth quarter before the game-winning drive going up to uh, – Rodgers and just saying go win it like that was the play call go win it like he wanted to just hey you do whatever you need to do for us to win this game mm-hmm. and I think that's the exact coaching that Aaron Rodgers needs give me the keys to the car and get out of my way
1: yeah this Packers team and has a awful similar feel to the the Bears of last year a team coming in kind of with some talent with not a lot of expectation with a new coach that people you know thought was bringing a fresh perspective and did the exact opposite personality of the old one and they're, they're playing really, really good football. I, I will say the defense is starting to show a little bit more uh, cracks the last few weeks than I thought they might. Um, obviously, they, they, they lost at home to the Eagles letting up those 34. Oakland mm-hmm. was kind of moving the ball at will on them until Derek Carr decided to throw the ball through the end zone. Matt Moore put up 24 points after you know a bad first quarter. So I, I think that does, because of that, I, I'm not ready to put them up there with the Saints in the NFC and the 49ers, but, I mean, they're going to win that division, I think, and they're going to be right there in the playoffs. Probably a three seed, but uh, they look really good and did so again in a tough environment Sunday night.
0: Dolphins and Steelers on Monday night. Gross game. Only note from this one, Juju Juju Smith-Schuster had 103 yards receiving and a touchdown. touchdown catch. I believe he has the most receiving yards in the first three years of any receiver's career, uh, surpassing Randy Bonds.
1: Did you see the the touchdown catch from, I did. from Juju? Yeah, he took to, it away. He went up and back. said, "That's my ball." Uh, good for Mason Rudolph <laughs> coming back after you know that uh, brutal concussion. Not a great game, but he did well enough to win. And I, I kind of like what I, I've seen from him so far. He's, he's far from a finished product. Uh, but he looks like he might have the makings of a starter in the league. And uh, it's, it's always good to see James Conner go off because of you know, what that guy's been through. So it's so good for him for having a big night. And, you know, it looked like the Dolphins were going to get one, man. It looked like your, your Finns had one. <laughs>
0: uh, they went up 14 nothing. lost, what was it, 27-14. To yeah, they covered. Too. Good teams With win,
1: it. Joe, but great teams cover.
0: Speaking of which, let's covered. give... Let's give the good people some locks of the week. Uh, Matt currently four and four. Don't look now. Joe moves to three and five. There you go. After hitting after Moving. hitting two straight. Uh we're gonna we're gonna work our way back to the five hundred mark here. Matt, why don't you lead us off with your pick lock of the week?
1: You know, I I told you that the Colts burned me again last week because I, I had them minus six or minus five at home against Denver, and I thought that was gonna be a lock, and quite honestly with how bad they played, they still almost covered it. I'm going back to the well this week, though, with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they're minus one. On the Colts. They're minus one at Pittsburgh. You and I talked about it, and it's getting to the time of the year where you just kind of start taking playoff teams in, in good spots against non-playoff teams, and this is a playoff team against a non-playoff team. I, I think they're getting undervalued because the way they played against um, against Denver. I think Pittsburgh might be a little bit overvalued because that second half against Miami. Indy's a playoff team. I think they go into Pittsburgh and win the game, and that's all they need to do uh, to cover that spread. So I'm going to take the Colts land a point on the road against Pittsburgh.
0: I like that pick. He gets knocked down, but he jumps right back on that pony. Got My pick, it. Bears and Eagles under 43. My thought process behind this, both running football teams, both offenses have showed signs <laughs> of immense struggle. My well, emotions in well, this one. One of them likes route. to run
1: the football for a little while and then not. Well, get, Sorry, didn't mean, didn't mean to do that. Sorry, I just couldn't
0: No, no no no. no, 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 you, you make sorry. a good point. I guess the Bears, but even, uh, their it's, it's identity they, is otherwise. When they don't run the is football, otherwise. they just don't
1: move it, so you, they won't score anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm just starting to hedge my emotions on the offensive ineptitude like of my football team. I like that. You so, might as well Bears, financially benefit from it. Bears-Eagles under 43.
1: That's a savvy, savvy gambler's move to, to hedge your, hedge on your emotion instead of betting on your emotion. I like it.
0: Uh, Matt, we got a mailbag here, but first, uh, big news coming out of the NCAA. Image and likeness clauses are being removed. Players will be able to benefit from their own image and likeness and likely bringing back EA Sports' NCAA football. All exciting for gamers, all exciting for these kids who can – now benefit off of their own names uh, gonna be really interesting to see how the details of this shake out but uh no doubt a step in the right direction i i i have long pounded the drum that you cannot pay student athletes but you can allow them to benefit from what is already theirs yeah so I, um, I like the direction this is going
1: i have often been of the you know i think the paying guys for their image and likeness will lead to unfair recruiting advantages because of you know sponsorship deals certain schools have and, you know, ex- exposure certain schools get. But you know, the more I, I think about it, the more I hear people talk about it, whether or not these kids are benefiting off their limit images likeness, like Alabama is always going to have more of a recruiting advantage because they're Alabama and they have more ways to get people money. So I, this is just a legal way to have a recruiting advantage, I guess. Uh, so, so, I mean, I I'm on board with it. I do think it's, it's about time. It is their images their likeness. It is their name. Um, and most importantly and i cannot stress this enough i I said this to you before the podcast as well if this brings back ncaa football video games my god just do it i can't wait till 2021 which is when it was whatever i can't wait just just give me that game back
0: kirk kerbstreet tweeted at ea sports saying hey let's get this thing going and that's all i needed to see we're ready
1: (laughs) so it's like MJ, Uh, uh, mj tweeting i'm back like kirk's back
0: Matt, why don't you uh, dig into that mailbag, pull us out a
1: question. All right, uh, let me scroll up here in the text message conversation with a uh, friend of the podcast, former guest of the podcast, uh, Robert F. Gallick. Um, he asks us, uh, with, with the poor officiating and bad penalties becoming you know, more and more of a headline each week in the NFL, how soon do you think the NFL expands reviewable penalties? So I, I will let you answer that first because I have a little bit of a take on it as well, but I want to get yours on it.
0: Um, I do think that they expand it because they always make, they always zig when they should zag. Um, I think that it's already too much. I think that being able to review the past interferences is too much. It's born out of a place where they're trying to fix where they're trying to right a wrong. And I understand that, but the shortcomings of your officiating crews is what this all comes out of. Your officiating crews aren't good enough to officiate the game that's going on right in front of them, so you have to implement more review, which is in turn slowing down the game and splitting hairs. If the referees could just get it right on the field, you wouldn't have these issues. I think reviewing of scoring plays is a positive thing. Those things cannot change. I think there should also be a Sky official upstairs who, between plays, has the ability to buzz down and stop the game and say, you got that one wrong. He's going to be a step above your head official. You'll have your lines judges, your umpires, your head official, and your sky judge. Your sky judge is the end-all, be-all. He says, nope, you were wrong. That was a pass interference on egregious plays. It doesn't have to go to review. We don't have to spend more time. You could put a camera on Mike Pereira in a room wherever he wants to be. Sacramento. He's, he's from Sacramento. Shout out to Mike Pereira. Congrats. A, Get him on the pod. A, camera on mike Pereira and give him 12 monitors so he can review each and every passing play each and every holding call as it happens in real time that is a way to not necessarily expand it but to refine it and make it better i i don't think the current uh the current way that the review functions outside of scoring plays is effective in any case
1: yeah i, I don't think i actually you said you think they should exp- uh um
0: I, think, I don't the think review. they should expand. Yeah, uh, I think they should minimize
1: it. I, I, I also don't only, only think they should. I think they will. I honestly think with how Do often – with, with how you've seen pass interference called and officiated on those reviews this year, none of them are changing. I mean, there's there but, are some that are blatantly uh, obvious, and I think that is a – is st- I think it's a statement a, by the officiating yes, crews. I think that's a like, statement by the, NFL by the by the officiating crews. Hey, you guys wanted this. Well, it's still not changing. So we're going to go back to not doing it this way. The power is and still I, in I, and their I think, hands. You need exactly. to take the
0: power out of their hands. And
1: I'm with you, but that's why I also think that review of these penalties will probably get not only not expanded. I think they might actually get taken away. And I think your sky judge idea is, is one solution. And I, I think the best thing you can do is improve those crews on the field. And the way to do that is to make it a full-time job. These officials aren't full-time jobs. They're working jobs and then flying somewhere on Friday and, you know, going over things. If you have, not only if you have, you know, these referees being full-time NFL officials, it's going to attract more people who want to be, you know, officials because, you know, if, if you have this if this is a full time job, you're not working two jobs and being rough isn't pretty no, much. No, I, a I completely agree. If you get somebody to be a full time official, not only are they full time jobs, you're gonna attract people who want those more, but you're also going to have weeks to train them. You have these you know, these guys can find out on Monday, hey, this is your assignment. You need to watch all five of their games, whatever it's been so far. Keep an eye on certain players. Keep an eye on certain tendency, tendencies and have them trained. Have them watching what they did last week. Have them watching what they're looking for this week. Have them watch you know, good officiating, bad officiating, whatever. Have them studying too yeah. it should be a full-time job and it's costing teams games.
0: No, I completely agree with that. What I don't agree with is the fact that I don't think that it'll get paired back because that assumes one big thing. And that's the self-awareness of the NFL to say, hey, we got something wrong. Let's go back or let's go somewhere else. I I just don't think – I think that there's too many egos in the rooms where these decisions are being made for them to completely strip down a rule that they put in place.
1: That's a totally fair point, too. I think they might just be doing something along the lines of beating it down so much that teams just know unless your receiver was literally tackled five yards before the ball got there, don't throw the flag.
0: All right, Matt, we've avoided it for about an hour now, but we need to get into a little bit of Bears football talk. We're going to do it through the vein of buy or sell to try and keep a little bit of sanity attached to this. We're going to come into it with a format here. So uh, let's do our best to keep our cool. I'm going to lead us off. Buy or sell, Matt, barring injury. Mitch will start the rest of the games this season.
1: Uh, I buy it because there is no point for him not to. Um, unless there is some sort of feeling that you can get something out of Tyler Bray, which I, I doubt there is. Cause why would there be, um, there's no point in starting Chase Daniel. I, I, we, we've seen what Chase Daniel is not only this year, but kind of throughout his career a little bit. He's not the future at quarterback. He's in his 30s. He's not going to be back next year in all likelihood. There's no point. And, and while we are 99.99999% sure we know what Mitch is, there's no point in not letting him finish out the year and seeing if he can't recapture anything, or at least a chance to you know compete with a veteran next year. Not that I think he should, but there's no. There's no risk to it, quite honestly, because the season is where it yeah. is. He, it's over. I mean, there, there's no, you don't gain anything from playing Chase Daniel. You're not making the playoffs with Chase Daniel. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I, I'm saying just let Mitch play it out. See if there's nothing he can't recapture or get. You know, if you can't coach him up the right way. Because say what you want about that Chargers game, they're up 16 to seven until they, you know, Nagy started to let him, you know, take over, Try and. Yeah, be in charge of the game again. I know I, I'm not, this isn't me defending really Mitch. It's just saying there's no more, there's no reason for anybody else to start because there's nothing to gain from it.
0: Yeah, but I think you could make the same argument with the same reasoning saying that there's no reason for Mitch to start because there's no point in it's also f- trying to play for the playoffs. I think if anything, the benching of Mitch is a, and I know it's not of a... NFL franchise's interest to pander to its fan base, but benching Mitch would at least indicate to a diehard fan base that we've moved on, that Mm -hmm. it's over, that next year you will have a new quarterback, that we will not go into the off season with this lingering idea of is Mitch Trubisky our quarterback? Mm -hmm. Sitting him down at some point in the next month and a half will indicate to our fan base that, that we are going to either draft a quarterback or make a move for a quarterback because we are beyond Mitch Trubisky. That's what it would accomplish in my eye. You
1: know, if that's what they decide, I'm not going to like I guess I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to say that's a wrong decision to move. I just I don't think they're going to pander to the fan base. I know that's what the fan base wants, but I just I think if there's no good decision for the organization to make, there, there's no good option to start at quarterback right now, I think the only one that has somewhat of a slight very, very, very slight possibility of bearing any fruit is you know Mitch starting and possibly recapturing anything to adver- at the very least maybe be able to get you a seventh round pick back for him if you wanted to trade him instead of having just flat out cut him. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's going to. I, I'm not by any means saying that. I'm just I think he's the best option or his option best you know has the best chance of bearing fruit in a bad situation. Okay, why don't you hit me? Uh, this, this one is, I mean, these are all going to be Mitch pretty much themed for the most part, because that is the the story here, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to turn this into over under, uh, one and a half. So 1.5 of Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Pace are on the bears in the Bear, part of the bears organization next year. So obviously I can't say on the roster, uh, for Nagy and pace, but one over under one and a half of those
0: guys are, are in the organization. I'd say over. Um, I don't think it's likely that, you get rid of either quarterback and head coach this off season. I think that while I am so fed up with Matt Nagy's attitude, with his play calling, with everything that he's become in the last four months, with whatever mm-hmm. being named coach of the year did to his head, with whatever he's having to deal with. I do think that, In certain circumstances, with certain flows, with the right personnel, that he can still be the offensive play caller for this team. I think that Mitch, in a lot of ways, has handcuffed him. And the perfect instance of that is this final drive on Sunday. Having to kneel down and give your kicker a 41-yard field goal just because... You don't believe in your quarterback or your offense. Now, my follow-up question in that line of questioning, where he was kind of taking that reporter to task, kind of oh, not even his, he was I he have had, a, where he was where he was have saying I have a bigger football brain than yeah. you. My follow-up question would be okay, was the decision made as a result of analytic breakdowns where you think percentage-wise you have a good enough chance from 41 yards to win this game, a better chance to win the game from 41 as opposed to fumbling the ball or throwing an interception, or was that decision made out of a protecting the ball because a lack of faith in your quarterback? Was this an analytic decision or was this a fearful decision made to – Avoid disaster from your quarterback because either way, if it's if it's analytically di- driven, you know the
1: answer. It better. wasn't analytically driven, it was 110% the latter. He pretty much said that in then, the press conference that, that he said he didn't. Then we you got know, an if you issue run the ball, here. you
0: could fumble. Then we got to issue ask the, ball, you can the issue. Where's number 10? It, it's, it's just by the,
1: I agree it, that is an issue, but at the same so time, so my point
0: is, I think Matt Nagy is salvageable as a head coach still. I hate him. I, I, want to, I want to fight him right now. Like That's how much I hate him because he is failing to get anything out of such a talented roster, and it's so frustrating. Do I think Mitch allows him a year of leeway if they get Mitch out of there? Then yes. Yeah. So I do think Pace and Nagy are in place next year. I'm hoping Mitch is not.
1: I, I, I'm with you. I'm going to buy those. Part of the reason is Pace can't dump the head coach and the the quarterback in the same year because then that's admitting his failure, which means – He's kind of putting himself on the block. Um, But at the same time, I do think that Matt Nagy is salvageable because of what – I think Cody Parkey broke his brain last year. And I'm not not making an excuse for the guy because that's unacceptable as an NFL head coach. You tell your players all the time you have to fight through adversity. You have to move on to the next play. You have to move on to the next game. I truly think that team thought they were going to the Super Bowl. That team thought they were the best team in the NFC, which they might have been, honestly, at that point. And I truly think when that kick doinked off that – that broke his brain, and, and the way he's called some games this year, the way he's been conservative, the way he's been afraid to, you know, screw up. I think it shows that, and I, I think he's looked confused at times on the sidelines, and I, it's it's just it's what it was uh, confusing for me too is you talked about his press conference and how he said, you know, if if we run the ball on that, you know, on the forty-one, whatever, or take you know, we we could, you know, take go for a loss of four. Or if we, we throw, we could fumble, we could take a sack, we could throw an interception, whatever. When they had that chance to bump up the 43-yard field goal against the Eagles last year, they took those chances. I believe they threw the ball, they tried to run it a couple times. Yep. They tried to move up. So don't tell me that's, you know, that never crossed your mind. And by the way, if, if none of those situations ever once crossed your mind, you're an idiot and you're closed-minded. Yeah. So you're either lying to the media, which is not good, which you've kind of hung your head on not doing, or you're an idiot. Um, and, and I think this year, hes you ask out of your head coach, your coach, your number one job as a coach, especially as a head coach, is to put your personnel in decisions to win football games in the best place possible to win football games. And he did that at times. He did that early on when he decided to establish a run. I, I found it funny that he almost on the first play of the game tried to take a little bit of you know an ironic shot at everybody saying he needs to run the ball and the Bears need to be a running team and did the I formation with an extra lineman and then Montgomery ripped off a 12-yard run. And then he went back yeah, to like, a couple, but I guess what I'm saying if you're
0: is you're trolling, if you're trolling with that's, your play that, again, that's another that point, problem like, for me. I, I do think yeah. he's
1: salvageable, but I think he's so far inside his own head right now that he just something needs to change. And, and, you know, honestly, if getting Chase Daniel in there as a starter helps Matt Nagy as a head coach, because I do think you saw a different play calling in the Vikings game, at least before that game was out of hand. Then, then, then okay, then I'm actually okay with it because the salvage were part of, of those of that duo of Nagy Trubisky is Nagy. But what we're seeing out of him with Mitch Trubisky now is a broken head coach, and, and I think you saw him. Put his team in the best position to win for a little while, and then when they're up sixteen to seven, he's like, "Oh man, we're fine. Let's, let's go back. I'm going to do my thing." And then you yeah, put he, Mitch he in a bad that spot, game. and then he lost the game
0: five different times. I, I, well, uh, Mitch, that's going to be a fire. Mean, Mitch, threw an, intercept, Mitch threw an interception. Mitch threw an interception that you he, wouldn't see on a schoolyard, and he fumbled the ball. I agree. Both never, in the fourth quarter, giving he up never a two should have been lead, in the position so. to throw
1: that interception. That fumble is what I'm saying because they just yeah. abandoned the run after it worked.
0: At halftime, not having two plays called in the huddle and only having to run That's, one, that and then was having wild spike to spike the ball and saying he would never have Mitch run two plays—like you're just at this what? point, you're standing in front of a podium, lying yeah. to back up your bad decisions. It's, it's it a is a
1: it is a high school move, Joe. When you have you know thirty seconds and one time or one timeout or thirty yeah. seconds and no timeouts on set, right, and guys. go, hey, we're gonna hey, run eleven, hey, Joe. You know, we're, go- we're going, to run 11 know we are we're out of eleven the whole time. We're gonna go, you know. X-Dig, whatever. You know, X, and then, you anyway, know, we'll, number two, we'll if, run if that's a, not in, we're going to go, you know, 90 you'll read, run a fade, whatever.
0: That, that make it the simpia. Yeah, 90-read, we'll run a fade. You'll either signal fade or you'll signal slant, which don't even get me into that, running yeah. Adam Shaheen into the middle of the field on a slant rather than doing what you did. The reason you drafted him, is he's going to be the biggest body out on the you field. You throw the ball up. On the outside, which they, the They never should have had four.
1: They're just that, they're just obvious
0: they, decisions. They're obvious decisions which which backs up your point that his brain is broken. He's no he's no longer seeing the obvious. And then he finally
1: coach. again he went back in the second half when they you know, after they had you know first and goal, whatever, the first time in a while, or not the first time in a while, for like the third time, fourth time in the game and they hadn't scored a touchdown mm-hmm. yet. He went I formation, ran thirty six power to the right, and Montgomery went in untouched. Like, it, it's yeah. not that nah, difficult. When you get, get there and your offensive line is in a rhythm, let the boys run the football. Let, let your rookie running back who you traded up for, who's having a hell of a game, let them run the football. And then I, yeah. I honestly, I think Barstool had a, had a tweet that summed up the best. It was a screenshot of that Shaheen play with the diamond formation of three tight ends out to the right and then Shaheen solo out to the left on third and goal from the two. And Trubisky and the shotgun. Just who do the Bears think they are? And I, I agree. Like, who, do you, who do you think you are to be running that? Just run basic stuff. Master basic before you can move on to advanced in your scheming stuff.
0: Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think it's partially a head coach who, you know, wanted the trajectory of this offense to be a certain place at this point, and it's not there. It's not. But he's still trying to call plays like they're there and it just doesn't work. Run the ball because that's what you are offensively right now. You don't have a skilled enough quarterback to run a lot of this action that you want to run. You don't have – um, an offensive line that can pass pro that well. You have the receivers, but no one to get them the ball. It's just you have to play to your strengths, and he's not calling games to their strengths. No. Um, I had another question here, by or sell. Go for that it. He fights a reporter uh, this season, but at this point, I think you know. It, it was
1: it was David. So he got asked that question. I want to say by the the one you were talking about. I think it was Dan Weeder, one of the Bears' beaters, mm-hmm. asking me, "Hey, you know, what was the thought process there?" And then David Haw pretty much just asked him a follow up, like, "Hey, can, can you go through your reasoning again for not running the football?" And I sw- like he, the look in his eye and the, the answer back to Haw, it honestly seemed like he wanted to, to go down from the podium and fight. It, like it was he, you, you but, can but tell by the way he's decisions he's that agree just need to be they, answered they to be for, qu- and yeah. that's why, and, and that's why. And, good on Haw,
0: good on Wiener, good on all those guys.
1: And saying I never once thought of doing anything else is not the right answer. So you're in. So you're an idiot. The answer to that question is very simple. So yeah, you know, guys, there were a few options. We like what Eddie's done all year, and which we can get to the point of Piniero which he probably shouldn't have said it in the media yesterday, and he had, like apparently about had, his he,
0: hashes. Yeah. He, he,
1: according to all reporters, he immediately was like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. Like, I didn't mean to yeah. say that." But you got to ask the kicker where you want the hash. You just yeah. have to. That's that's also coaching one on one. But we'll, not neither here nor there. You talk with your guys. You talk with your special teams coordinator. You talk with your. Offensive line coach, all that stuff. Hey guys, w- what are we feeling? Like you can talk with you guys up in the booth. Do, do we want to kneel this out? Do we want to try and get a little bit closer? Like th- there's there's the risk. There's he a panics. lot of I said, No, just knee, him. just knee, just go knee, just go knee, just go knee. And there's yeah. 43 seconds. Your running back has 130 yards. So if on the we're ground, taking
0: him at, we're taking him at face value of the words he said. There's zero what did he say zero percent zero percent chance that they were running they're running
1: zero percent chance that that they
0: were even thinking about running or passing the ball zero percent chance so if you're zero percent thinking about that you're not even entertaining all possibilities in the current situation which a head coach needs to do you're not even thinking outside the box like you claim to be some guru you're not thinking, period. You're coming up with one idea, you're going with it, and it's wrong. Which, again, gets me to he had a plan of
1: how he was... He he knows the press has been on him, and rightfully so, the last couple weeks. He had a plan for how he was going to answer it. It's just more to by thinking that his brain is broken at least with this current quarterback situation and until he gets a guy in there he can trust which I, I'm with you I still think as bad as he's been this year I think if you have a quarterback in there that he likes and trusts he's it's, he's a salvageable head coach because I think what we saw from him last year is when he's in a groove when he has confidence in his team his quarterback he can win um, but this system, as is, is just not going to work. And, and he said, you know, when you run the ball that late, when they know you're going to, when you run the ball, when they know you're going to run, you lose three to four yards. You, you think they knew you were going to run the ball on the first play of the game when you when you were in the eye? You think they knew you were going to run the ball the three or four times you're in the eye formation, loaded the line and just turned around, hand the ball, David Montgomery? Absolutely. And look what it did. You averaged about 10 yards of carry out of the I formation. So you
0: line it yeah, up. Like no you one's ever gained positive yards when you're they run, know you're running
1: the ball. You run ISO. You run power to the right. You set it up in the middle. And at the very least, David Montgomery's going to get you back to the line of scrimmage.
0: All right, man. Game 7, World Series. I'm done talking Bears. That's fine. I'm done fine. with that team. We I'm done with them affecting yet. my We're emotions. Uh, game not, 7 but, uh, tonight on Fox. Going to be a great one. Pitching matchup, I last believe. Night, by the way, grinky versus Scherzer last night was just the state of baseball. Home runs, couple hits here or there. Great pitching. Just a career outing by Strasburg, nearly going the distance, going eight and a third, uh, spinning it after giving up too early. Untouchable. It's been great. I mean, I know it's been one of the least watched World Series in the history of the game, but uh, or the live ball era at least, or the television era, but. Mm-hmm. It's been entertaining for those who enjoy it, and last night was a perfect example of that. I hope tonight is again another example of that. Uh, Grinky and Scherzer, what a storyline there with Max Scherzer coming back after not being shot. able to pitch Game Five. Got zone up, little acupuncture, little. You ever had a cortisone
1: shot? I
0: never did. Never had cortisone.
1: It's supposed to make you. You're supposed to feel great after.
0: And I'd like one. You once. put. He's a he's a wonky character, so I mean, you never know what to expect out of him from a intensity standpoint you know it's going to be there so looking forward to watching him twirl it tonight matt who do you think walks away with the world series trophy
1: i i told you before the series i think the nationals are going to win the series uh and i'm going to stick with that pick um they got it i've been saying it all, all you know all playoffs long on this podcast they got a team of destiny type feel it seemed like they were dead in the water after losing all three at home and scherzer was down then they get that win last night anthony rendon is but it, the Nationals are probably right to not pay Harper. I think we see that. I, I think they have to pay Anthony Rendon because he appears mm-hmm. to be kind of the
0: heart and soul. The, he is
1: the heart and soul of that that clubhouse and that lineup. I, I think you can obviously withstand the loss of Harper. Not sure you can withstand the loss of Rendon. That's neither here nor there. I just I think Scherzer goes out and shoves tonight, and uh, Zach Greinke's been fine throughout the playoffs, but he hasn't been the untouchable Zach Greinke or the untouchable you know Max Scherzer that we've seen, and uh, it. My favorite part about this is going to be like, see who's available out of each bullpen. Like, is Garrett Cole going to be available out of the, the Astros bullpen for yeah. an inning or two if they have to go there? Is, is Patrick mm-hmm. Corbin or Annabelle Sanchez going to be available out of the Nationals bullpen? Because it, to, to quote the great Dan Faust, it's the last game of the year, Brent. Can't hold anything back now. Can't
0: hold anything back now. Can't hold anything back I got, I got back the Nats
1: in a, in a tight pitcher's duel. You know, give me three to two, uh, four to three with it. You know, a couple long balls probably from, you know, Bregman, Rendon,
0: whatever. I picked the Astros before this series, so I'm going to stick with them as well. Uh, just really, really looking forward to two of the biggest head cases in all of baseball towing the rubber tonight between Grinky and Scherzer. Someone's going to have a mental breakdown. It's going to be great.
1: I can't wait for it. It's going to be, it's two best words in sports. We got game seven.
0: Game seven. Matt, we've touched on pretty much everything here today on the Motion Names podcast, episode 127. Before we say goodbye, is there anything that you'd like to pass along to our loyal listeners? I would
1: like to pass something along to loyal listeners. We've done it the last few weeks, but I want to tell them once more about Wish Fest, Joe. It's coming up December 6th, Friday, December mm-hmm. 6th. The, the doors open at 5 p.m. at 115 Bourbon Street. If you haven't been there on the south side... It's one of the biggest bar venues I think I've ever seen. Andy Grammer is the uh, the headliner along with country star Walker Hayes. There's other local bands. Um, I'm not going to get into them, but uh, if you've been there before, sometimes those local bands that warm up are the best part. Uh, Wishfest.com. That's W-E-I-S-H-fest.com has has all the tickets and info buy a gold ticket for $125, that gives you a six hour open bar and a full dinner buffet. That, that I mean, that, that pays for itself, right Joe? 6, 125 for six hours of drinking and eating. That's on, we'll that, that's, that's, that's that's unbelievable value. You pay 40 bucks for a general admission ticket, and pay for your booze. There's even a $15 bus pass from the city from two different spots in Lincoln Park and River North. Guys, there's, there's no reason to not go out here on a Friday night, uh, December 6th, have some fun f- with, with, uh, with your friends, with it, with a great group of guys, as you know as well, Joe. That's going to be out there always, a, always a fun group out at Wish Fest. That that group seeing the Titans back together again, great group for an even better cause. So get out there, buy some tickets. If you don't want to buy some tickets, you don't want to go. Maybe just donate a little bit, huh? You guys can afford Absolutely. it. You're, you're listening hey. to Moose and Runes. We,
0: we you it's can a, afford it. Hey, I don't know. Why, I, I don't know how that correlates, but you can. I like it. I like the thought process. Uh, no doubt, uh, a great cause and uh, a great night of celebration. And uh, we hope to see everybody there, Matt. For the for Matt, I'm oh. Joe. Right, I'm Joe.
1: You are still Joe, unless you want to I'm go Sh-
0: by Joseph or Giuseppe. I'll allow either. No, I'm, we're gonna stay with Joe.
1: You could be a good Giuseppe. I'm telling you.
0: Yeah, on only on Wednesdays. It's today oh. Wednesday. Damn, today, today's Wednesday. Wednesday. You're Giuseppe. We're falling off the rails here, folks. Thank That's you okay. as always for listening to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 127. We'll be back next week, hopefully with smiles on our faces and a Bears win. I don't know. For nah, Matt and Joe. We'll talk to you later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow. For every tear a smile. For every care a promise. And a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was Awesome. <laughs> Chicken on steak was phenomenal. <laughs>